Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamer, Seamus. Hello, thank you for having me. The band is back together, Seamus. Yeah, I know. It's It feels like it's been forever, man. We, we had such a great time up in Sydney for <laughs> RTX, and it's been a while since you've uh, been on the podcast, so it's good to good to hear your voice again. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to be back now. Yeah, we've got a fair bit to talk about. I feel like I'm going to be talking uh, most, of, most of tonight, honestly. Ah, that's fine. My my throat's getting a bit sore already. So, <laughs> if you're uh, if you want to just take the wheels, I'll just bow out here. Yeah, that's See you fine. Later, Seamus. Um, I did want to ask you actually though, uh, because we straying away from video games for a little bit. Uh, if you follow us either us on Twitter, which you totally should do, um, you'll see that Seamus and I are quite big music fans, and specifically Gorillaz fans as well. Oh yeah. How awesome are their new songs? They're really good. Like I was I was really apprehensive. Uh, like when the first hype first started coming through. But the thing was, when mm. they released their first track a couple months ago, How You Are Money, I yeah. actually really liked it, p- particularly yeah. like the tone behind the lyrics, the message. And I really liked talking about with other friends and sort of trying to decipher what he was, he was saying. And the video clip I thought was really good too. But then mm. when they just dropped four tracks, I was like, hell yeah. And there's only one track out of the four that I'm kind of like, uh, not like really into, but the other three I really, really like. Like, Which is wait, that? Which is the one you're not so into? Um, uh, Saturn's Bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sat- just the auto-tuned, just the real auto-tuned vocals really just, uh, I just, I, d- I, I'm, yeah, I don't really I quite like. like it. I was doing a bit of research behind that song because it's like the only one they've released a music video for and the music video is like and super the, wacky. Yeah, and, yeah, the music video is good. It's weird as crap but I, yeah. I did really like it like it's it's gorillas at its weirdest yeah apparently it's um playing off some like jamaican dance music kind of hip-hop stuff um i think it's like disco rap or something it might have been called i don't know it's like a particular like jamaican subgenre of music i love it and <laughs> and i'm like oh okay i get it now like the the vocals and stuff make sense uh, and so i started really digging it um but i've become like quite a big vince staples fan so to hear him on uh, ascension is awesome i'm really digging that yeah ascension was really cool that was the first of like the group of songs that i listened to and i really like the video clip for it as well and i sort of i have a lot of like my own feelings about what the meanings of it is and like i don't know it just struck a really nice mm. chord with me but um the power one uh I, oh yeah. yeah yeah that's we got that's, the power yeah we that. got the power that's probably my favorite just because like it's really nice and sort of just poppy and yeah, yeah i just i just really dug it but also andromeda i mm. is a really nice chill track as well and it's they're funny all how, so different <laughs> yeah but they're all really different but the funny thing was the with the andromeda track it actually launched Came out the same day as Andromeda came out in the oh, US. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue back into video games after <laughs> our little uh, music conversation. Uh, maybe we're going to have a sub podcast where we talk about music. I love uh, it. You've been playing Night of the Woods a fair amount recently. Your reviewer is now up, uh, and you gave it a pretty damn good score. Do you want to? Do you want to kind of walk us through the review? Sell it to me. Yeah, sure. So, in the review, um, which, yeah, as you've mentioned, is up on the site now, I talk largely about the role that the side characters or just the general characters play throughout because I I honestly could write thousands of more words about why I like this game, particularly how it deals with the bigger issues or themes at hand that it, it plays 
that's that's going on, which is which is a lot, including depression, mental health, the idea of growing up and what it means to become an adult, what what it's like, what life is like after finishing school when there is no guarantees, when you sort of just go make life uh, what it is. Like you go find your own meaning in it in yourself and decide what's where do you want it to go. And it sort of touches on all those things. It also touches a lot about country town life and the fear and depression that can come out of it but also some of the really nice elements that can come out of it too so there's a lot of themes at play but in particular for me uh the characters are just have so much depth to them and it's it's a point and click adventure game it's about a cat called may that's dropped out of college for reasons after being there for two years and returns home after yeah not being home for two years and a lot has changed but at the same time a lot hasn't, and it's and it's all about her rekindling her relationship with the town, with the, her parents, with her friends, with just the community there. And it's really, it's a really charming and sweet adventure. And the characters in it are just, it's it's the type of point and click adventure. Like I'm so used to games where you go up to an NPC that's just like in the street or in the town, and they just have a one line, and they just mm. say that same line. Like, mm. no matter at what point of the game you go up to see him, which is a classic thing for RPGs in particular. With Night in the Woods, like, every single time you talk to someone, they have, like, three different things they're going to talk about if you want to keep talking to them. And these are conversations conversations evolve over days and weeks and you can really build up strong and meaningful relationships with just random NPCs which aren't quest givers, which aren't, uh, like objectives in the game. They're just real people that make up this community of Possum Springs, which is the hometown in Night in the Woods. And they just, they made it feel really down to earth and really immersive. And it made all the story beats hit that much harder because I was that much more immersed and felt so much more connected to the people in the game and the community. So I think, I think mm. it's a really, I think it's a really special game, particularly because of the characters in it. Yeah, it sounds like a kind of game that would probably strike a few sort of chords with me. Yeah, you know, like talking about kind of coming out of uni- uh, coming out of high school and like not sure what to do with yourself. Yeah, it's incredibly relevant like, for oh my goodness, yeah. us right now. Yeah, I, yeah. there's only one other game that's been as relevant to me as in my life, and that is Life is Strange. And that was very similar story beats of Max Clawfield sort of trying to understand her place in the world, getting towards finishing high school or college, yeah. and trying to work out what she wants to do with life. And Life is Strange was also a lot about relationships and mm. what it's like to try and repair them, how relationships change and evolve for the better and for the worse. And it's it's very similar to Night in the Woods. But yeah, it was like, it was so relatable. I almost felt like too attached to talk about it. Right, yeah. I'm still, I'm still pretty hooked on Horizon Zero Dawn, but that sounds like uh, the kind of game that I'd be interested in. Yeah, you've been, be after you've been s- streaming um, a fair bit yeah, of Horizon Zero Dawn. over on Twitch. Follow yeah. me. Uh, yeah, I've been, been streaming a bit over there. It's a lot of fun. It's a difficult game to kind of um, uh, to stream, to be honest, because like you're kind of going from from a, a section of narrative, like a cutscene that you kind of pretty engaged in, and then you go to like, these epic ba- boss battles, which I, have surprised me at how challenging they are. Um, you have to like pay like quite careful attention to what you're doing <laughs> and make sure you're hitting the sweet spots and using the right kind of elemental damage or whatever, and it's like damn, this game's pretty intense. So a lot of my streams are just me kind of like pulling my hair out as I repeatedly <laughs> die, um, which, you know, can sometimes be entertaining. I, I was, this one boss battle at the entrance, I kept rolling off the same platform like three oh, times no. in a row trying to, I was trying to skip the cutscene and I press circle just one too many oh, no. times and just roll straight to my death. I did it like three times in a row. It was ridiculous. Wow. 
Um, but you've also been playing some Splatoon 2. They've been sort of testing it, haven't they? The test fire, is that what it's called? Yeah, the test fire was on just over this weekend. There were six um, individual one-hour sessions that you could jump on and play throughout the weekend. It's the, And for, like, Australian times, they actually weren't too bad, except the first ones each day on Saturday, Sunday, were both starting at 5.30 Central Australian right, time for okay. me. Um, so I missed both of those. Um, but I did uh, play three of the sessions. And the way I put it with Splatoon for me is the the series Splatoon as a series is to me what Mario Kart and Super Smash Bros is to what I feel majority of Nintendo fans it's incredibly mm. re- um, addictive I can just play round after round I'm happy to just like any spare moment I have I, I'll just jump in because I just I really enjoy it like it's just pure fun similar to Overwatch as well but the thing is with Mario Kart and Smash Bros for me those series just really don't do a lot for me anymore like the just okay. they just they just don't appeal to me the like they've been rehashed so many times like the, the the sequels just don't appeal to me they just don't do much for me like i'll play them at a party if like mm. friends are playing it sure but i won't go out of my way to play them but with splatoon it's it's what that field that a lot of my friends have with smash like they'll just play it forever and it's just it's just really fun and so jumping into the test fire even though there isn't a lot of new content, uh, there wasn't a lot of content to try out in the actual test fire, and I don't think there's going to be a hell of a lot in the actual final game for Splatoon 2 on Switch, but I'm I'm fine with that, like, because the gameplay is just so solid, it's so addictive, it's so much fun, like, I don't, it's one of the situations where I hope they don't change too much, because it's it's a really good formula already, and it's pretty much just a, a port to the Switch, that's, yeah. that's really what Splatoon 2 is, it's what Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is, except they've 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 called it a sequel for some reason, even though it's like I don't I don't know. We're in the age now where there's so many remasters and like what and and things like that, where it's just like what really is a sequel? What what defines what a sequel is now in an age where we've got so many rehashes and DLCs and like this, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get you. Well, we're going to be talking. Um a little bit more about the Switch later on. Uh, but I want to touch back on to Outlast 2, which uh, you weren't mm. here um, a couple of weeks ago mm. uh, when Jake and I discussed this. Um, so feel free to like, share your thoughts on the whole matter. Uh, I'll happily do it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have, have received some recent news about that sort of in the last few days or so. Uh, and that is that uh, it is getting released in Australia after all. Um, Wonderful. Wonder, yeah, fantastic, right? <laughs> uh, so it has been revised by the Australian Classification Review Board uh, to an R18+. Plus. Uh, and there has been some sort of conflicting results as to ha- reports as to how that's happened. Uh, we received word that... Um, that it was going to be the same version of the game released worldwide. Uh, but there have also been some reports that this is, in fact, a modified version getting to Australia. So there's still some sort of clarification needed uh, as to exactly uh, what Australians are going to get and how it might differ uh, on a global sort of level. Um, but it is coming. It's uh, We're getting the bundled triple uh, pack now as well um, with the core, with the original game, its DLC, and then this, uh, this sequel. Um, but what's... Let's, Seamus, let, I want to hear from you. Like, what, what is your reading of this entire situation? Both the sort of original refused classification and now the fact that it's been allowed in. Like, it's, it's an interesting issue. And I don't know if I necessarily feel particularly uh, strong um, about it in my opinion, really. But with, with the Australian Classifications Board, like, there there is a general trend. And the thing that they will pick up on is the use of drugs 
for um, enhancement for with an incentive, mm-hmm. and so and so particularly drugs which have um, realistic names, mm-hmm. and so that was why Fallout New Vegas was originally banned. That's why State of Decay was originally mm-hmm. banned, which I think a lot of people forget about. Um, yeah, but the, uh, I think so too. Yeah, but the other one is sexual violence, and that's one that's they've always, that they've been pretty stringent about, and that was why Hotline Miami. Two wrong number was uh, banned and st- and mm-hmm. still is. You know that like mm-hmm. that's still not a game that's legally be able to sell in Australia, which is pretty crazy. Um, and that was the reason uh, Outlast Two was banned. And that's it's a really it's a really hard line to draw. Like it's it's interesting that in in a lot of films and TVs. In TV uh, content, like a lot, a lot of pretty messed up stuff gets through. Like Game of Thrones, there's a lot of sexual violence involved mm. in that, and you know that just gets him with no problem. But the thing is, video games are a more interactive medium, so I can understand um, the classifications board having uh, taking a bit more closer eye to it. But it, yeah, it's not an easy one. But from my perspective, people should have the choice. And that's why we have this R18 plus rating is to have these warnings is to let people know beforehand that yes, this have sexual violence in it. So like straight away, like if you've had any experiences where you, where this is going to trigger something or be a bit too much and like hundred percent, like you've already been warned. There is a rating there to tell you not to play it. And similar to other people that just might feel uncomfortable. And the thing is reading what the actual incident in the game that caused the band, and I'm not going to repeat it because, like, I think it's it's pretty messed up. And yeah, I agree. And, and reading that, I'm kind of like, I don't necessarily want to play this game now, mm. and that's okay. That's just my that's just my choice, and it's good to be able to have a choice. But with my someone like my brother who loved the original Outlast, and he would love, uh, he's really looking forward to the second one. To have that choice just taken away from him, I really, really dislike. And I don't, I don't think that's fair at all. While in TV and film, a lot more horrific things are shown on a regular basis. Is that necessarily okay? Not, not necessarily. It depends on how severe and intense the content is. But I think my brother and gamers throughout Australia should have every right to make that choice, particularly with the fact that they are adults and we have and we have an R eighteen plus rating for a reason. And so I, I think it definitely should be classified and i'm really happy that it is now i'm still like i'm interested to see it clarified like whether there has been changes or not because that that has been um a bit vague over the past few days and i'd be disappointed if it had been changed but i'm um, mm. hopefully not yeah i wonder like what exactly it'll come down to like i remember um modern warfare 2 had that uh contentious scene in which you're sort of oh civilians. yeah and they but, gave you but that murdering hundreds to... of other people was fine because yeah it's, it's yeah no double uh, yeah that was yeah a weird incident. well not in russia but um <laughs> yeah but like they gave you that option to skip that scene and i wonder if like that's something they could sort of do here um and i also sort of wonder i, I don't know what the answer is i don't pretend to have the answers here um but i you know have some ideas maybe uh like maybe we need sort of a new classification category something like um an X rating even uh, that sort of idea has been tossed around before uh, that it allows kind of drug use related incentives and it allows sexual violence, but explicitly sort of mentions that those two particular things are included in that game. So it kind of advises customers a little bit better. Yeah. It's but not- with a rating, with a rating like that, would you have, would you want to have an age restriction on that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like what, 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 it, what do you think that would, age restriction would be then? Well, it would probably be 18 plus like it would, 
probably be sort of an extension of the oh, R18, so, I think. Oh, so you'd be I, happy for it to still be 18, but it'd just be a more severe warning yeah, on yeah, the yeah. box. Yeah, like, I, I don't think there's much like maturity gain between like the age of 18 and 21. Like, I don't yeah, think it's a 21-plus yeah. rating. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, like I, I think it's still important for consumers to know what like what's in these games, um, especially considering like not every gamer is is like us and like the people that listen to uh, the podcast. Um, they are like uh, not everyone follows the Australian classification board's decisions. Like not everyone reads their web pages and their descriptions of of why they've decided that. They just see kind of what's slapped in the box, and if it's just kind of like extreme like or high violence or whatever. Uh, and doesn't discriminate any further than that. It's then quite maybe, a generalization, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it, maybe it sort of needs to discriminate between um, just like gore violence and and violence that's sexual in nature. I don't know. Maybe that's one idea. Um, I am not against the outright refusal of classification of games. I think in this case it was probably unjustified. Um, I I'm with you. I found well, like the description of the scene like pretty horrific, um, but. Uh, but people have that choice. Like we are adults, and we have that right to make informed decisions. Yeah, uh, I, and, I think uh, there definitely should be a limit as well to to an extent because you know some things are just so grotesque. There's just there's just no need for it. It's grotesque for the grotesque I, sake. Exactly. Like like that game was it called Murder that stored, stirred up a lot of controversy a couple of years ago where it was a pretty much just a murder simulator where you were just going out and murdering civilians. And, yeah, I mean, and there there are some truly horrific games out there. Like, in the video that I did addressing this topic, um, I talked about... Uh, oh, what was it called? Um, this this game, I'm forgetting the name of it, all of a sudden, mind blank. Um, but it was basically, like, encouraged you to shake a baby that was on screen that was crying until it eventually stopped crying and wow. red X's appeared above its eyes. Yeah, it's, it's like encouraging infant side pretty much. Like, it's yeah. a pretty horrific game. Um, and I don't know if there's a place for that at all. Um, no. That was, that was on the App Store and Apple through their like, self-regulatory processes. Uh, on, on, the, on the side note, um, you should check out Ewan's videos. They're, they are really good, really well researched and really well spoken. So, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. This is just I'm constant do... shout outs to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to do them, do them more often. Um, but specifically as to like this now being allowed in and the sort of decision being reviewed whether the okay no that's not true whether the game is modified or not does matter let's assume that the game hasn't been modified and that the review board has decided based on you know the information provided as our playthrough of the game um maybe even societal pressures as well which like the press start community the press starters played a part in um you know maybe they kind of considered that too if that is indeed the case and that this is the same version of the game including that the scene in question as the rest of the world is going to get um, then I think the National Classification Code has to change and it has to change to reflect this issue of sexual violence. Like, we can't have more inconsistency. There's enough inconsistency as there is. Mm. And if they decide to let this game in as it is, then they are letting in a game that has pretty explicit, in my mind, sexual violence. Uh, and that's in contradiction to the current code. Um, yeah, I, yeah, so I think I would, there's discussion would, uh, to be had and to change that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. One, one point I would make, though is in regard to you mentioning like the scene in Modern Warfare 2 where you had the chance to skip and maybe that would be an option Outlast 2. Yeah. When I think of these types of scenes, although the scene, the description of the scene for Outlast 2 is quite horrific and to some people the Modern Warfare 2 scene where you're shooting mm. civilians would seem, you know, there, there was a reason there was an extreme reaction to it to an extent because, you know, some people saw it and it's like, well, you're shooting civilians and that's quite extreme. 
the, yeah. the thing is, developers don't just chuck these things in on, uh, in on a whim. Like, there would have been a lot of time and oh, effort yeah. going into creating these scenes, and they are there for a reason. And that's the first thing I had fought with Outlast 2, with reading the scene, was like, man, that is intense, that is full on, but it's trying to create a specific feeling, a specific atmosphere, which contributes to the overall story and play of the game. And to have it modified or have it just as an option to be removed, I really dislike because that is censoring art Mm. and it's also taking away from what the developers are trying to do overall and i feel like we'd be missing out on the true story or true experience that they're trying to give even though i'm not necessarily saying like the scene's okay it's it's messed up but it's part of the experience that they're trying to create and i i i defend them because outlast one was a really good game and largely because of the atmosphere they created with some really weird and strange things and that's just something we don't see a lot because it is quite explicit and not many people uh do that type of content or dare to do that type of content and similar with my Warfare too like there was a reason that content was there um was to Mm. get a particular feeling out of the player and uh, i appreciate that effort and i'm sure there's a lot of time like as i said like these aren't thrown in on the whim they're there they're there for a reason Mm. Yeah, I I agree, and it is after all like a, a horror game. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be confronting and grotesque in in some ways, I suppose. Um, and people ha- again, like I feel, have the right to sort of choose what they are. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and the argument I made in the video as well is that um, it's ultimately pointless. Like if you wanted to play this game, if you wanted to download it one way or the other, like regardless if it's been classified in Australia or not there's ways to do that. Mm. Uh, and so it's not really present. It's not really preventing. Uh, anyone that really wants to play it to play it exactly um, it's actually really easy to just play a game that's actually banned and yeah mm. yeah anyhow, anyhow. Uh, <laughs> let's let's switch switch direction a little bit we're kind of going to be getting into some more kind of hot topic stuff uh that's happened this week later on the podcast but let's switch tact for a second uh and discuss a theory from fan of the show at mad mikey friend fan and friend of the show uh mad mikey he talks about the nintendo switch um and uh, and he's got this kind of idea that i wanted to sort of throw over to you seamus and get okay. your opinion on um that this could in fact be nintendo's last ever console uh i'm sort of paraphrasing him here because we've been we've been chatting away uh and his uh and his theory is that maybe the nintendo switch they can just sort of upgrade the actual uh, handheld kind of component of the console itself and just like continue using the dock and sort of like I guess in like the way that DS's have sort of had reiterations um, they'll just like upgrade the internals of the actual like switch screen uh, and you can continue sort of using that dock pretty much until you know forever like this is just their switch this the Nintendo switch is the only ever sort of branded Nintendo console we ever receive um, I don't know what I quite make of that. I've got some ideas, but Seamus, what do you kind of make of that sort of idea? Do you see the Switch sort of getting like little upgrades in any way? Like that that honestly makes a lot of sense, particularly when you look at their strategy, uh, their handheld strategy with 3DS, because as you mentioned, that's that's exactly what they've been doing, although to a lesser extent, you know, there's not a dock as such, but that's what they've been doing for the past few years. And like their handheld market is where they do best, like easily. And that's that's the reason why they went for this hybrid hybrid. Uh, console with Nintendo Switch because mm. they they realize people want that that simple, um, easy um, experience that they can take on the go, and I think that I think that honestly makes a lot of sense. But when I do think about that about the idea of just like what consoles are next, like what's after the PlayStation Four, what's after the Xbox One or Scorpio, and then what's after Switch, it's like 
I it feels like too far away to really to see. Like I can't. The, it's it's hard because it's just because the consoles, particularly with Xbox One and PlayStation Four, are just so similar to PC architecture mm-hmm. in structure and the actual components or specific stats. Um, but it's it's hard to see what the future is for them to keep being unique. And but th- but that's a different story for Nintendo. Um, I don't think that's actually the worst idea or strangest fear like that that makes a lot of sense to me because this feels like something that like similar to the 3ds so it's kind of just like they can push it a bit easier there's not as much i feel like emphasis to be like oh well what's the next big console it's something that they could just upgrade over time and as prices come down it's a bit more affordable and they just sell the actual handheld unit itself like it'd be end up being a lot cheaper in a couple years and just with slight upgrades so yeah i don't i don't think that's the the worst theory honestly yeah, yeah. Um, I I agree. Like, I, I can see them sort of doing upgrades uh, somehow. I see it kind of working the other way around, though, in making upgrades to the actual dock component itself rather than the Maybe, actual handheld. Yeah. Um, like, you know, in the way that the, you have these kind of gaming laptops, I think Razer do a bunch where you can sort of, like, plug it into, like, some external unit that has, like, a, a dedicated graphics card in it and it kind of unlocks, yeah. like, extra power. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I've been noticing is, that recently. Yeah, it's a bit of a trend. But, like, I can see something like that kind of working for Nintendo. Honestly, I thought it was what they were originally going to do, that it was going to be Well, that's the thing. Everyone was that... so sure that, like, there was going to be getting extra power out of the dock somehow. And I don't yeah. know if people really stopped and thought about, like, how that was really going to work. It but... wasn't until I actually held the dock. I'm like, this is really just, like, a piece this of plastic pl- with some piece HDMI connectors. This connectors. is just inputs and outputs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it is. Like, it's just sort of a large adapter to plug your Switch into the TV that's pretty much all it is um so i think you know maybe it's not a total kind of like a cyclical thing i guess like where they're constantly sort of updating it um every year every two years or whatever maybe it's like more of like the mid console generation sort of jump they make they sort of release this updated dock um that has some sort of like uh inbuilt sort of uh, graphics card maybe some additional processing power i don't know yeah, very very, very similar to what the new 3ds is where you can still play all 3ds games on the original 3ds's but like there's the new one now similar to the playstation pro which games yeah. just run a bit better on which is funny because nintendo were doing it before playstation and xbox were any <laughs> like years before them which is really funny to think about yeah um but i think like that way would work particularly well because you don't have to like transfer any save data like go through the process of setting up a new console like you're using your pre-existing switch unit and just kind of docking it in like dock 2.0 with like an increased sort of power boost or something mm. um again i don't know if that's possible but that mightn't be such a bad idea no i, I think that's not i think that's an all right idea actually and i think like three or four years down the line would make would make sense because mm. at the end of the day uh, Nintendo are more software manufacturers, and they and they do do some cool, unique hardware. But you know, I'm, I'm sure they would love to just keep focusing on software and expanding their IPs and doing like more new IPs like Splatoon because it's been really successful. And if it meant if it means they have to focus less on hardware and maybe just do more gradual upgrades over time, like that may be um, be make a lot more sense for them. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, if you do want to join in the conversation, use the hashtag, hashtag TheStartCast. Uh, send us your topic suggestions, any ideas you might have, and we're happy to discuss them here on the podcast. You can even link me a video that you made on your own YouTube channel like Mad Mikey did. Uh, follow him at Mad Mikey Gaming over on YouTube uh, and uh, and see his thoughts that he shared with uh, with me and, and uh, wanted to have discussed on the StarCast. 
more the merrier. Uh, but let's get back to the controversy, uh, Seamus. So many controversies. Um, so many controversies. <laughs> Just bouncing from one controversy to the next. Uh, and that is that YouTuber JonTron has been cut from ukulele uh, following some some comments he made, um, some rather sort of sharing some rather far right views about immigration, ethnicity, and nationalism. Uh, and subsequently, the publishers uh, and the developers have decided to remove his voice performances from the game. Um, and there's sort of been like a pretty mixed reaction to it by the looks of things. Um, again, Seamus, like, what's your reading of this this whole situation? Um, his initial comments were definitely um, not good. They were really bad, really bad comments. But the thing is, John Tron, it's like, I don't know him personally, but he seems like a pretty nice guy. It's funny because of like this recent con- uh, controversy, and I was telling you this before the show, that mm. because of it, it's made me go like, oh man, I haven't watched John Tron in like five or six years. Back when I was in like high school, like I wonder if he's doing the same stuff. Like I-, I wasn't really into YouTube culture back then, so it didn't really click with me. Watching some of his new stuff, like it's awesome. Like he- He's actually, he's, he's a really funny guy. I really like his content. And so, but I, at the end of the day, I don't really know what type of person he's like. I don't really know like how much like of that, of what he said is really true. And the thing is he did the apology video talking about like how he felt really on the spot, that he didn't articulate his thoughts very well. And the way he spoke, it sounded, it was quite earnest and seemed real to me. So I took him by his word and um, we make all make mistakes sometimes, even though like some of the things he said were pretty, were pretty out there. Um, whether he should have been cut from the game, like I guess that that comes down to developers and that comes down to their relationship with him. Um, and it makes it makes me think that the relationship with him um, might not be that strong because if he if he is like what I seem to be more inclined to what I think that he isn't necessarily this person that is made out to be with these comments he made. And that f- friends know him and be like, well, he's not really that type of person. Similar to, you know, Colin Murray's tweet where it's just like, Colin Murray isn't sexist at all. But, and like people who know him and follow him really know that. But a lot of people just make assumptions. But mm. um, I guess maybe the developers just saw these comments and maybe not knowing him that well, we're just like, well, we just don't want to be associated with this. We just don't agree with this. Um, and it's, it's, it's just not something that's we can just be like, oh, well, that's, that's just that's just a mistake or like we we know that's not him but not everyone else but we'll just keep it in anyway like maybe they felt it just would reflect too poorly on the game i don't think it would have i think mm. i think a lot of this will probably blow over pretty quickly and his audience will still be very strong and so we've preferred it would have been better for the voice to stay in and we've had a more um a better impact like i doubt anyone was gonna crucify um luke luke uh ukulele for having his voice in it when it came out in the next couple of weeks um like yeah like it's it's down to them it's their decision i i i don't necessarily agree with it um but at the same time i i definitely don't agree with the comments he made but um at the same time i don't hate john john i, I don't know it's it's a it's a minefield like it's it's like i'm sure yeah, lots a, of people it's a, have it's different a tricky opinions. situation right um like i i I'm not a follower of JonTron. I'm largely unfamiliar with the, the, the specifics of the comments that he made, um, but I'm certainly sort of noticing this trend, uh, sort of in the in the industry, and particularly sort of in the YouTube sort of space at the moment as well, um, where you're having these people that sort of speak professionally as a job. Like this, this is what they do for hours and end of days is is talk in front of a camera. Um, 
we've you mentioned Colin Moriarty and you uh, and there's also like PewDiePie as well that's also sort of run in some trouble and and faced punishment as well, um, uh, having his show sort of cut by uh, by Disney and whatnot, um, and sort of affiliations kind of uh, made distant there. Um, and now and now we've got this example, JonTron, obviously, and I'm not like sure where I come down on it again. Like I don't know specifics of what he said, um, but. Uh, it certainly seems to me that like these people perhaps are making mistakes. Um, they're saying things that m- maybe meant as a joke, maybe construed wrongly or whatever. Um, like out of context, they can just yeah, be taken yeah, so or many, out of context. So many ways. Um, but you know, they're sort of like facing some pretty significant sort of ramifications for it. Um, uh, and maybe some of these kind of like punishments are sort of born out of disagreement. Um, of with with the, what they're saying rather than the sort of the level of professionalism or whatever um so yeah i don't know this is like a really tricky scenario like um i i i don't know if it is fair or not for him to sort of have been removed from the game again i, I probably should have like uh, i looked at the specifics of what exactly he said um but if you know if it's like a matter of sort of disagreeing with like his views and his perspectives um i think that's kind of a separate scenario like i don't know if you yeah. can really kind of like punish someone based purely on sort of like ideological difference like, yeah which you just have a disagreement about you know i, yeah, I think that's exactly. a really good point because this is this is just like obviously they they admired each other and wanted to work with each other and i think that should be say enough that like that based on a couple of things they disagree on that they shouldn't have to just cut them out like a lot of time and effort we've gone into making it happen than just to cut it out because you, like you said just because of a different uh ideological or just general disagreement I, yeah i don't think that's it was necessary yeah yeah it's like um you know even if he is kind of has this sort of far right sort of agenda or this kind of ideology and if pewdiepie is racist let's say um i'm not saying these things are true but i'm saying let's assume that for a second like do we necessarily like i don't know what sort of benefit we get from like pretending like they don't exist um I can understand. I can understand fully well, though. Uh, Platronics um, uh, reasoning behind removing them from the game, like they're they're trying to sell this game uh, and the associations this game. Yeah, has like a, a business point of view. It's just For, like yeah, yeah. It it does make sense to an extent. Yeah, um, from a business point of view, it makes a makes a lot of sense. But um. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, if we should really sort of be jumping down people's throats just for sort of, like, sharing an idea. Um, it really depends, I guess, how, like, inflammatory it is. Like, if uh, if it's meant sort of, if it's deliberately sort of meant to offend or or in be sort of particularly derogatory or insulting in some way, um, you know, maybe that that is where we have to go, okay, like, this is where we sort of draw the line and, and distance ourselves from that sort of behavior. We don't kind of give these people a platform. Um but like I, I don't know. I feel like we just sort of need to pay careful attention to this and uh, and and watch where the sort of direction heads in the future. Yeah, I I definitely think like uh, people people need to just slow down and not react so crazily to a lot of things and maybe just stay, take a step back and have disagree with someone but do it do it respectfully particularly over the internet people are just keyboard warriors people are just happy to just say whatever and not really think about the ramifications of attacking someone or calling them sexist or racist without like there there are better ways of going about it rather than just attacking someone or mm. ignoring them in in this situation as well yeah i'm i'm sort of like thinking on my toes here but um like uh i i think it goes back to what i was saying last week about about mass effect and the 
angry sort of vitriol that was happening around that um, is that I think like the only way that we can sort of make improvements and fr- quite frankly, like learn to live together and, and make better things for it um, <laughs> is by having sort of like respectful reasoned conversation, um, not sort of like pretending each other don't exist and sort of living in our own universes and like, oh, they've got different ideas. I don't listen to them. I'm going to stay our in my own, own safe little spaces. bubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, I don't think you kind of gain much from that. I think like we need to no, find you some lose, way of... No, you lose a lot from doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think we need to find some way of having sort of like reasoned, respectful sort of conversations with one another and disagreement's fine. Like, we absolutely need to find a way to come disagreement, but sort of shutting each other out entirely. Like, yeah not the way to go about it yeah that I being find said, the met- if someone yeah. is being like being a troll and if someone is like oh, deliberately yeah. being provocative and offensive and insulting which again like i don't know if 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 some people might have felt that john tron was behaving that way here some people might have felt pewdiepie was behaving that way um you know i think like maybe that's a situation where you need to distance yourself um from that but sort of trying to alienate people from the entire conversation i don't know if that's entirely fair yeah I don't know. This is something we're probably going to have to talk about in the end. Let me know what you think. <laughs> help me help me figure this all out, guys. Uh, but perhaps we shall bring it to an end there. That was episode 95 of The Startcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, any other podcast service of your choice. Just search The Startcast. Follow Pressstart on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Pressstart.au, as well as visiting the site, of course, at Pressstart.com.au. You can join the conversation like Mad Mikey did by tweeting us at Pressstart.au or use the hashtag, hashtag The Startcast. I've been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. I do also want to make known that we have a new uh, email mailing list. Uh, yes. What's it? It's uh, sort of like going to be... Um, a newsletter that's the word I'm looking for uh, <laughs> Shannon's like god damn it you and you're ruining all my hard work with this awful explanation uh, we've got like a, a newsletter that system that was sort of rolling out so um, over if you're over on the site you might see like a little pop-up uh, it comes up asking for an email address if you punch that in there we're going to be sending you uh, content straight to your email box it's going to have some sort of exclusive bargains in there uh, some some rants as well uh, and we're going to be starting that up pretty soon so it's going to have sort of its own like cool little tidbits of exclusive content um obviously in addition to everything you'd expect on the site as usual joining us today was Seamus yep thank you yeah it's always a blast to this was yeah this was really good this I, I felt like we had some really good in-depth uh conversations we, can, we contributed to the ongoing debate I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um you can follow me at uh Seamus Mullins S-E-A-M-U-S-M-U-L-L-I-N-S um if you want to hear more of my impressions or read more of my impressions about the Splatoon 2 test fire there should be an arc probably by the time this goes up it'll be up on the the website me talking about like what bits I enjoyed little bits of extra content and um whether I think like it's gonna whether I think there's enough here to um make it a good sequel for the the switch but yeah no um yeah keen, keen i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't contribute more to that conversation no that's platoon, by the way <laughs> i i was like uh i i played like a tiny like i played one or two matches when we were at um at, at the reveal event for, for like the little preview thing we went to for the switch but um uh, I didn't feel like I had enough to really sort of like <laughs> be an authoritative sort of stance on the game like you were good sir um, but yeah thank you very much for coming on today Seamus it's always a pleasure good to have the band back together like yeah. I said uh, go and check out his review of Night in the Woods as well that's up on the site now uh, I reckon I'm gonna go and download that you know Seamus yeah man do it I, I reckon you're gonna really dig it like definitely yeah I suspect so 
based on your praise as well. I, yeah, it sounds, and, like, sounds like my kind of game. Yeah, and I f- and I hopefully might have a bit more of an extensive opinion exploration piece, similar to what you did with Firewatch, coming up in the next week for it. Ah, very very cool. And we've got the Gorillas album to look forward to. There yes. we go. Now it's now uh, it's totally full circle this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in again. Until next time, happy gaming. Mm-hmm.